0: This podcast contains swearing, drinking, lame dad jokes, descriptions of gross body problems, and lots of history. Consider yourself warned.
1: This king took an arrow to the eye. You won't believe what happens next.
0: Welcome to Monarchs and Malarkey, the show where we take an alcohol laden dive into the weird and quirky health histories and deaths of leaders throughout time. I'm your host, Danielle.
1: And I'm your co host, Mike. We interrupt our
0: program to bring you this important message. Hey, everybody. Last episode, I erroneously claimed that Rome left Great Britain in 200 AD. It wasn't, it was 400 AD. 200 ish AD is when they decided to split the country into two parts calling the south superior and the north inferior, which I'm pretty sure anybody living up north would tell you is absolute bollocks. Whatever the case may be, sorry about that slip-up. Anyway, enjoy the show. Now, back to our show. And tonight we are talking about King Harold, who was a flipper-flopper. He flipped and flopped with the uh, promises he made and the oaths he made to people. So... In honor of that, we are drinking Flip Flop Wines, California Moscato. It is sweet, it is low in alcohol, and it is super cheap, y'all.
1: Super cheap. I think we paid like $6 for this thing.
0: I don't think it was even that much. Maybe 6 bucks. but whatever the case may be, we're cheap winos, and I recommend this for people who like to stick a big gob of sugar down their gullet and call it alcohol.
1: Because why not? Why not? Live your best life.
0: Yeah, totes. Michael, tell us a bit about King Harold.
1: So King Harold was the second son of Godwin, and he was born around 1020. We don't have an exact date, mostly because the records back then were... Were a mess. (laughs) Yeah, they were a mess.
0: (laughs) Well, they're not really a mess. They just weren't, there weren't very many records made.
1: And the ones that were made, some of them get lost or misplaced.
0: And a lot of them... Just disintegrate and get destroyed. We're talking about a place that's very humid. You have parchment and paper and things like that. It's not going to last very long in the elements.
1: No, not at all. And this is 1020. This was nearly a thousand years ago.
0: Basically a thousand years ago. Yep.
1: So it's amazing that we have any records at all.
0: And we will do the best we can to use records from contemporary time periods for the people we talk about. But like we said in the last episode, sometimes it's really just not possible. And sometimes even contemporary accounts... Actually, I'm going to go ahead as an anthropologist and say most historians' accounts are not accurate, or at least are not completely honest.
1: There are problems with all sorts of records. Right. And if you done any deep dives into history and how history is actually recorded and made you'll know that it's human error
0: well into the victors go the spoils and the textbooks so. yes
1: <laughs> so we're going with harold II, born ted 20 of godwin who was the earl of wessex
0: and he was buddies with edward the confessor
1: who was the previous king.
0: The previous king we talked about in our first episode. Although they kind of had a frenemy thing going on. And Godwin himself actually died before Edward the Confessor did. He died of a probably of a stroke while the two of them were kissing and making up and having dinner together.
1: Which is pretty suspect timing.
0: No, there wasn't any question about it. It was definitely a stroke. They were smart enough back then to know what the signs and symptoms of a stroke were. It wasn't poison or anything like that. It was just really shitty timing. But at least they had made up. At least they weren't fighting anymore.
1: And he was able to secure this powerful ally for the rest of his family. Yep. Because Edward married Harold's sister, Edith. Yep. Making them brothers-in-law. So as a good brother-in-law, Edward appointed Harold the Earl of East Anglia. Did I say that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yep. Anglia is over on the East Coast, and it, it's right above Essex. And uh, it was, I mean, Anglia for the Angles, and eventually that word Anglia and the word Angles would become English and England.
1: Not like Geometry Angles.
0: Not Angles, no. Ain't More Anglos. Anglos? Yeah, Anglos, Angles, Anglos. There are actually several different spellings of it from that time period.
1: Yeah, this spelling of Anglia, it looks like they bought too many vowels in Wheel of Fortune. So he was also appointed the leader of Edward's military forces and became a veteran of many battles for him. At this time, Edward was still securing his right as king over everybody, so he needed someone to fight battles for him, and Harold was pretty good at it. So because Edward had no children... When Edward died, there were three choices that could have been made for secession. The first was Duke William of Normandy, who was the favored of this. The second was Edgar Atheling. And the third was Harold. Harold had told William that he was going to be the next one to be crowned king.
0: To clarify, Harold told William that William would get to be the next king.
1: Yes. Harold was sent out to battle, and on his way back, he was shipwrecked and captured by one of William's vassals. The Duke demanded Harold's release and may have ransomed him. Harold was warmly welcomed by William and then joined him on a military campaign in Brittany. While on that campaign, Harold swore an oath of fealty to William and promised to protect William's claim to the throne. So that's where he swore an oath to William that he would would support William's claim to be the next one to be king.
0: And this was a really super sacred oath, too. He made this oath on the bone of a saint, which we talked about last time is known as a relic. And that makes this not just an oath, but a literally sacred oath in the eyes of God. And that's going to be important later.
1: Because if you break those oaths, then bad shit is going to happen.
0: Bad shit's going to happen to you in life and in death because you have turned your back on God by breaking a sacred oath.
1: Yeah, you don't do those. However, despite the promise that Harold made to William, Edward, from his deathbed, uh, designated Harold as his heir. Now, as it goes, the only people who heard the declaration were Edward and herald themselves.
0: Dun dun dun.
1: Yeah. Seems kind of suspicious that... Kinda. Yeah, kinda. (laughs) He's the only one (laughs) in the room with the dying king.
0: Oh, by the way, he said I'm supposed to be the king. You can trust me. It's fine.
1: You can trust me. Yeah. He totally did it. That's what he said.
0: Yeah. I I mean, you can't check with him. He's dead now. But I promise.
1: Yeah. I'll swear an oath on it. On some (laughs) bones. (laughs) On some
0: random relic.
1: So go get some bones. I'll, I'll do that. Now, Harold knew that shit was going to go down with William. So he really pushed the crowning really quickly. So
0: Yeah, so so we I think we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. A coronation was a really big, important event. People would come from all over the Seven Kingdoms and be there for the coronation of a new king. So when Harold decided to just be coronated basically instantaneously, it was not only very strange, but it involved things like, oh, we have to bury Edward right now instead of having him lay in state. Leaders were supposed to be laid in state, which means they would stuff their bodies full of herbs and straw after taking out their entrails and leave them up on some sort of a table or tomb, and people could come and view the king or the queen laying there in state instead
1: instead what harold did is he rushed the king's burial and then the next day was crowned himself is that a kazoo
0: (laughs) yes it is
1: (laughs) where did you get a kazoo from
0: oh would you like to know
1: Was that the Amazon package that you wouldn't tell me about?
0: That is the Amazon package I wouldn't tell you about.
1: (laughs) So you went and ordered a kazoo just for this? No. No?
0: I ordered six kazoos.
1: (laughs) In case you lose the first five.
0: (laughs) No, no. I figured I'm going to start a kazoo choir with the kids and with my sister and with my friends and maybe a couple of the dogs and we'll just have our own little kazoo choir.
1: And you'll play cover songs from movie soundtracks yes that is
0: that's what's gonna happen
1: (laughs) can't wait to hear the finished product
0: (laughs) all right all right all right so harold is now king
1: harold is now king and william is pissed
0: oh he rages he Mm -hmm. rages all over the place
1: uh also interestingly enough harold was is going to be the last anglo-saxon king
0: Spoiler alert.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert, he dies. William was pissed when he heard that Harold had been named king. He knew that he broke his oath, so he called a council of war because he was promised the crown and he felt deserving of it. So William went to his barons, his allies, to round them all up so that they can go and take the throne back. William also even went to the Pope, Alexander II, and got his blessing for the invasion, saying that it was religiously just because Harold was a king who not only broke oaths, but the king also appointed an archbishop, which was not properly anointed by the church, which is something that you just don't do.
0: Right, the Catholic Church is the say-all, be-all, end-all of everywhere in Europe at this point in time. You don't you don't do things like that without permission because basically the church has enough power to come in and kill you. And they will. They can.
1: Yeah. They'll do it. As in this case where Pope Alexander II gave the papal banner to William to carry into battle.
0: Papal, papal banner.
1: The paper
0: Papal. Papal banner. Paper. The too paper much, banner. Too, too much alcohol there, babe.
1: Uh, the paper banner, which Papal. was defeated by the rock banner.
0: <laughs> also, I want to know, I mean, I understand it's only an, a second when there's also going to be a third, a fourth, etc. But I really just want these popes to be juniors and seniors. So like Pope Alexander Sr. and Pope Alexander Jr. And people could just call him Jr. to piss him off. <laughs>
1: I think that would be great. Pope Innocent Jr. (laughs) Yes. So he gave the banner to William to carry into battle. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the banner itself?
0: Well, first of all, it's a papal banner. Yeah. Yeah, papal banner. And it literally is just that. You know the banners that they carry in medieval war movies and Game of Thrones and stuff like that? They've got their bannermen, and there's always somebody who literally carries a banner that shows their family crest on it and stuff like that. So this papal banner is that. It's a big, long banner that has embroidery on it that gives a message to everybody who sees it saying, this is from the Pope. It's a de Pope. And he has declared that William is the rightful king. And this is important in two ways. First of all, it's the whole concept of, well, the church can destroy anybody and everybody and they're gonna send a fucking army
1: because who's gonna tell him no
0: right and the other part too is it's important to understand that the royalty at this point in time were all regarded as being anointed of god you'll hear that phrase used quite a lot in movies about the reformation under henry the eighth being anointed of god and with the pope saying that he's in williams ball court here That means that he's saying as the messenger of God that William is the one actually anointed of God to be the king. And that's a really big deal.
1: Right. Because when someone is crowned king and the Pope says, no, that's not what God said. He told me different. Then
0: everybody's going to be like, oh, except the person who's currently king. Because who's going to want to step down? It's good to be king.
1: Yeah, the king is going to say, No, Pope, you're wrong. God wanted me to be here. So, yeah, yeah. They're going to fight about it. So, William mustered his army of Normans and sailed his ships to the south, to the Dover area, and began raiding and using his ships as a defensive position. During this time, Harold was returning to the north with a victory against his brother Tostig at the Battle of Fulford so he was marching down from the north his troops just got this big win but they're tired they were forced marched up north fought a big battle now they're being forced marched down south in order to stop the raiding of william
0: i think maybe it's it might be worth exploring a little bit why he was fighting with his brother tostig cuz it wasn't just tostig he was fighting
1: it was his brother and King of the Danes as well. And the King of the Danes thought that he was going to be the rightful heir because he was a descendant of Canute. So the King of the Danes and Tostig thought that they had the throne instead of Harold, so they went and fought about it. And Harold won. After that, Harold marched his armies south which takes us to the Battle of Hastings in 1066.
0: The Battle of Hastings is a really big, big deal, y'all. So you probably recognize the name, even if you're not entirely sure what the Battle of Hastings is. It was a big clusterfuck. That's what it is. So things during this battle were really uncertain. Harold's shield flanks repelled William's knights really, really well. But then when the knights were quote, retreating, they weren't actually. They pretended like they were going to retreat and then Harold's troops would go to follow them to just kind of chase him off Mm -hmm. but then they would cut down Harold's troops. So it was just a really big mess. At some point though Harold died. (coughs) Okay, so the Bayou Tapestry is where we get a big chunk of our information about Harold but here's the thing. You know how we were just talking about to the victors go the spoils and the ability to write all this stuff. Well, that's the case with the Bayou Tapestry as well. So what is the Bayou Tapestry? Well, it's a giant piece of cloth, 230 feet by 20 inches tall. And it might actually be better to call it a banner. It's not technically a tapestry. A tapestry has been completely woven, but the Bayou Tapestry actually was embroidered. It tells the story of William the Conqueror, beginning actually with the oath that Harold made on the saint's bone. And it has 70 different scenes depicted throughout. The very final scene is William being coronated, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. One of the panels right before that is of Harold, and it does say on it, the death of Harold. The problem is, everybody has always assumed the character on there with an arrow through his eye is Harold. That may not be the case.
1: Which is why he's best known as the king who took an arrow through the eye.
0: Right. So let's talk a little bit about why that may not actually be the case. For starters, the idea of an arrow through the eye is very symbolic. The fact that he had broken sacred oaths means that he was up for very specific forms of punishment and getting an arrow through the eye was actually considered to be an appropriate punishment for somebody who breaks an oath. Now I couldn't really find any information about why that is, but at the time that was believed to be uh, apropos for somebody who had been a sacred oath breaker. One of the other problems is another character on the tapestry right next to the man with the arrow in the eye, is being trampled to death by horses. And that actually fits in better to other legends about what happened to King Harold. So there was one legend that he was beaten by knights and dismembered. It is possible that this could occur if he's down on the ground during the heat of battle. He could definitely get trampled by horses as well as get beaten by knights and dismembered. That particular account comes from a bishop of Amiens named Guy, so from here on out, we will just refer to the story by that guy.
1: Some guy said that some, some guy, knights uh, beat him up.
0: Yeah, and dismembered him, which comes in in another little tale that'll come up in just a second. One of the other legends, and this is the one that I lean more towards as far as time period is more accurate, but the story is pretty sensational. This story claims... And this again, this is from the 12th century claims that Harold was wounded, but then he ran away and then he hid in an abbey for two years while he healed. After he was done healing, he went on a pilgrimage through France and England and then retired to live as a hermit in Dover and Orchester, and did not reveal his true identity till he was on his deathbed. Now, the timing may line up better because this is written within 32 to 50 years after his death, but here are some problems with that account. Number one, getting wounded severely enough to need two years of healing, but then being able to get up and go on a pilgrimage strikes me as a little odd. This is a time period where people don't know a whole hell of a lot about medicine. The number one risk in war was not getting injured. It was getting infections after the fact. They did not have the ability or the knowledge to to properly fight infection.
1: And your biggest risk in becoming sick is going and seeing a doctor.
0: That's actually, yeah, not not untrue. But he wasn't seeing doctors, though. He was seeing monks and abbots. And some of them tended to actually be a little bit better with medicine than doctors. But again, they didn't really know how to fight infection properly. And while it's possible he could have just had severe broken bones that took time to heal... Again, two years of that and then being able to get up and ride around France and England. I don't know. It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. Another problem with it is, well, it's just really, it doesn't make much sense. I don't see him running away. I see him possibly, possibly going to France and staying there, but not in Normandy because Normandy did have enemies. I don't, I don't really lean towards that one. A different account says that his mistress claimed his body on the grounds of the battle because his mother, Harold's mother, wanted his body back. And allegedly, the mistress found the body, went to William, or went to the mother and said, I found his body. The mother went to William and said, I will give you his body weight in gold to have his body back. And William said, no.
1: That's a shitload of gold.
0: That's a lot of gold. Like, that is beyond my ability to comprehend how much money today that would be worth. And he said no. And so that's strange for two reasons. Number one, when you're the ruler of a country, no matter how much your personal wealth level may be, you need money.
1: Right. He has a whole bunch of soldiers that he needed to pay.
0: Not just that, but just running a country is really damned expensive. So the more you can put in your coffers, the better. Number two... William is a very staunch Catholic. He understands how important it is to properly dress a body and bury it in consecrated ground. So for him to tell a mother no when he's just been sent by the Holy Roman Pope is just kind of weird. So there's that. But that story actually goes pretty well alongside an interesting grave that was
1: found. There was a grave found in Waltham Abbey, and an archaeological discovery in the 1950s found that a tomb was there was made in the Holy Trinity Church. There's one burial site, and there is a plaque there that says, a daughter of King Canute, who died in the 11th century, aged about eight years.
0: And remember, King Canute was there just a very short time before before Edward the Confessor and Harold. So, this is the same era, so that grave is known and it is still fairly new. But, here's the problem. The other bones, the other remains found in it that people like to allege could be Harold, there is no head, there is part of a leg missing, the body is pretty broken up, it does look like it sustained quite a lot of damage.
1: Which could be consistent with the knights attacking and dismembering him.
0: Right. And people want to think, oh, his head is missing. Perhaps William took it as a sign of his victory because that was a thing. But if that was the case, I think we would have some sort of written record of that.
1: Or the head might have just been lost. Bones get lost more frequently than all
0: the time all the time so for example shakespeare's head is missing yeah it used to be just a legend and then archaeologists went in there a few years ago with ground penetrating radar and they looked and sure enough shakespeare's head is gone and nobody knows where the hell it is the three queens who were all beheaded are buried in the chapel at the tower of london and they are the only three people where they know where they are because when they dug up a bunch of the tombs underneath the chapel floor, people were just kind of jumbled up all together and placed in a wall. So if you go to the Tower of London, just so you know, if you get a chance to go into the chapel where we snuck in, you will find that there is a wall in there. You can't see the bones, but there is a wall in there just stuffed full of bones because they didn't know who the people were. There are no names, almost no names of any other people in there except the three beheaded queens. And they were only identified by the insignia on things that they were wearing when they were found.
1: And those were a lot more recent. A lot more recent, yep.
0: So yes, this is a common theme in England. Bones get lost. Bones get taken. (sighs) Bones and kings and important people get misplaced.
1: It's just... Shit happens.
0: Shit happens, man. So that is the legend of Harold. Maybe he died. Maybe he didn't. But the fact is... he eventually died. Well, eventually, yes. But we're talking Battle of Hastings here. And we don't know where he is. There's a plaque near the coast that says here is where William buried Harold. But there's no way to confirm that.
1: Yeah, there's no way to confirm the body.
0: There's literally no way. Because the problem is, trying to do DNA evidence in this day and age, there's nobody to match to. So that wouldn't really help. And... We can't look at them and see the size and go, oh, yep, that must be him.
1: And Harold didn't have any children.
0: Nope. There's just, there's no way to know. If you would like to give us any ideas of leaders you know had really weird health or death issues, well, I mean, death's an issue, but weird health issues or especially egregious or awful deaths or post-death things happen to them, send us an email. Monarchsendmalarkey, all one word, at gmail.com.
1: And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Our Twitter handle is just Monarch Malarkey.
1: All right. Well, thanks for listening and tune in next time.